so the uh, today's meeting will be uh, from 6 to 7:30 uh, maharaj will guide us on the topic of uh, essence of uh, vaishnava etiquette and then if the devotees if they have got very important questions uh, in this uh, topic uh, they can uh, always ask this question and we can have one to one question answer session maharaj is this okay with you sounds good thank you thank you maharaj thanks a lot maharaj like so uh, yeah maharaj you can start your uh, discussion or like thank you thank you mohan gopal prabhu thank you all for joining uh, this afternoon evening and uh, yes i i'm appreciating the, the topic uh, the essence of vaishnav etiquette i hope i can um at least stir up uh some reflection on the subject and of uh, i think if nothing else it will be good for myself <laughs> to reflect on the subject <clears throat> so let's begin with some pranati Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Kadamahyam Tadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatam Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakandhitamscha Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi ಪಾಶ್ಚಾತ್ಯಶತಾಂಚಾಪತ್ಯಾಸಿಂಧುಭ್ಯಪತಿ ಗೋಪೇಶ ಗೋಪಿಕಾಂತಾಧಕಾಂತಾಪ್ತಕಾಂಚನ ಗೌರಂಗೀ ರಾಧೇ ಬೃಂದವನೇಶ್ವರಿ ವಿಶ್ವಾನು ಸುತೆ ದೇವಿ ಪ್ರಣಮಿ ಹರಿ ಪ್ರಿಯ ಜಯ ಶ್ರೀ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಪ್ರಭುನಿತ್ಯನಂದ ಶ್ರೀಯದ್ವೈತ ಗದಾಧಾರ ಶ್ರೀವಾಸಿ ಗೌರವಕ್ತವೃಂದ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಹರೇ ಕೃಷ್ಣ 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 ಹರೇ ಹರೇ 
हरे राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे I'd like to uh, give maybe my own title to this uh, presentation, namely the spirit and substance of Vaishnav etiquette or Sadacharan as it's called in Sanskrit. I'll explain uh, the two terms, Vaishnav etiquette and Sadachar in a moment, uh, but I think a nice starting point will be a statement from Srila Prabhupada in the Sri Ishopanishad. If you look in his purport to uh, text number 10, you'll see he gives a list of 18 uh, principles of, uh, we may say Vaishnava culture, I don't remember exactly how he calls it, um, basic directions for uh, becoming a Vaishnava. And the first of these, he says, and I quote, one should become a perfect gentleman and learn to give proper respect to others. So we may say, well, okay, that's good for the men. What about the ladies? Um, same thing, just fill in the blank instead of gentlemen, uh, ladies. And we can say a perfect gentleman knows uh, how to behave uh, in relation to ladies and gentlemen, and also uh, those who are not ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and so we also have a nice model for behavior uh, of course, in our Srila Prabhupada. And going back in tradition, we may remember what Srinivas Acharya tells us about uh, the Shat Goswami. Krishna Kirtana Gana Nartana Paro Premamritam Bonidi Dira Dira Janapriyo Priyakaro Nirmatsaro Pujito. Dira and Adira Jana. Uh, persons who were dira, or we can say gentlemen, uh, and adira, those who are not gentle, the ruffians or the uncultured, dira, dira, jana, priya. The six Goswamis were dear, were dear to uh, both kinds of persons, and why? Uh, because they themselves were dira, they were uh, perfect gentle, gentlemen, we can say. Uh, which is to say they, they understood uh, the uh, principles and the spirit, the spirit and the substance of Vaishnava etiquette. And therefore they knew uh, the, the finer points, they knew the principles, they knew the finer points 
uh, and they lived by them and they gave example and they inspired others uh, to, to follow them. So a little about uh, these terms. We, we use uh, this expression Vaishnav etiquette and I meant to look, maybe someone can look this up, but where do we find uh, this specific expression? When was it first used? It's obviously the word etiquette is, it's an English word, um, but obviously for some of us obvious, it comes from French. Um, and it's been employed, it's come to be employed by uh, devotees for what traditionally would be called sat-achara, sat-achara. Uh, and so I think it's good to know that sat-achara is behind Vaishnava etiquette. And then we have to ask, what does sadachar mean? The word achara, um, well, it relates in a very broad sense to the, the notion of ac action or behavior, achara. Uh, and in our tradition, we want to connect achara with prachara that if we want to be successful in the propagation, uh, in the communication of uh, Krishna Bhakti, then there has to be alignment between uh, these two principles, achara and prachara. People will listen to those who are well-behaved uh, and not otherwise. Sat-achara. Sat, of course, um, can mean simply uh, truth. It can mean what exists as opposed to asat. Um, it can mean right or proper. And so, uh, and sat can also refer to persons. It can uh, refer to sadhus. Uh, sometimes we see the word sant, santaha. It's a Sanskrit word, and I don't know if it's cognate with the uh, English word saint, possibly. Um, but it sounds like it should, and that's good enough for now. So you could say sadachar is the behavior of saints, <laughs> or... We could also take it the other way around. It's behavior uh, in relation to saints. So we can say saintly behavior or behavior towards saints. But it also has the sense of, Sat has the sense of rightness, uh, substantiality, realness, so we can also think of sadachar as being authentic, being like we say in sort of slang English, uh, we say, get real. 
get real. Sometimes we may scold someone, get real. Uh, it's kind of a, a challenge. Don't, don't be superficial. Uh, say what you really think. It can mean like that. But uh, it means being authentic. And so we might say on a deeper level, Sadachar is about integrity. Integrity. Um, saying what we think and thinking what we say and acting in, um, again, in alignment uh, on the basis of uh, principles, on the basis of values. What values? Well, uh, the value of sat, of truth, of reality, of uh, spiritual existence. <clears throat> so, and then um, this has come to be referred to, however it came about, mm, with this term Vaishnava etiquette. And so it seems we've, we've become a little bit, we're narrowing things down in a way by saying Vaishnava because Sat can mean sadhu, and sadhus, there are so, so many sadhus, they may or may not be Vaishnava. Um, yeah, there are, there are Shaiva sadhus, <laughs> and so on. Um, and, and just good people. The word sadhu can also mean good. Uh, people who are pious, who are good. But okay, Vaishnava we may take in, in a broad sense. What do we mean by Vaishnava? Bhaktivinoda Thakur um, spoke of Saragrahi Vaishnava. It's one who uh, seeks the essence, the best of, of uh, persons, of situations, of um, everything. In any case, then what about this word etiquette? Um, so I looked it up in the Oxford English Dictionary. <laughs> and uh, it kind of comes down basically, although it, it comes from the word for ticket, uh, which is, uh, you know, something to gain entrance into some event, perhaps. Um, a ticket, getting a ticket to, to watch uh, Krishna fighting the wrestlers in the wrestling arena, perhaps. But then it comes to mean proper behavior in court, uh, the court of the king, the royal court. Um, different royal courts all over the world have over the centuries had their very particular uh, standards of behavior, of protocol, uh, how respect is shown to the king or the queen, uh, when to speak, when not to speak, how to speak, uh, what words to use, all these sorts of things. 
One could also say it has a more broad sense of convention, conventional behavior. What is considered uh, appropriate is etiquette. Also, uh, I didn't see this in the dictionary, but it's been said that uh, from the French, it can mean uh, little ethics, little ethic. So it's the, shall we say, the minor details of ethics. And so we might say that on the surface, um, etiquette, the, the sort of connotation that I have of etiquette is, it's about uh, being polite being polite as opposed to being rude or being coarse in one's behavior. And it's been uh, said by one French writer on ethics and uh, on, on virtues. He speaks about uh, politeness as a kind of step one toward virtues. Uh, he says, politeness in itself is not exactly a virtue, but it, it's kind of necessary uh, in human society. And this is what parents are always very concerned uh, to teach their young children from early ages, uh, what to say, what not to say, what to do, what not to do in uh, various situations. Um, and these may be how to behave at the dinner table, uh, you know, don't throw your food around <laughs> or whatever. Um, I think we all had experience as children with parents reprimanding us for various uh, in proprieties at the dinner table. <laughs> and we've, we've all been molded by that. Uh, so that's politeness. It's not, it's not virtue. It's not, it's not really the substance of what we're interested in, I would say, with Sat Achar. Well, those are some maybe preliminary, uh, if you like, definitions. Um, but we need, to, we want to fill those out. We want to make something of of them. And of course, in my talk in general, I'm speaking very much in general. Uh, so, as Vaishnavas, we are concerned about proper behavior. We are concerned about uh, making a distinction between proper and improper behavior. And of course, we're behaving, we're acting, we are speaking always in a context of ourselves pursuing 
what Srila Prabhupada always called Krishna consciousness. We want to be Krishna conscious. We want to uh, be mm, agents for the manifestation of Krishna conscious atmosphere. We want to support uh, the creation of atmosphere and consciousness of Krishna. And so in that spirit, we behave. And if we want to get a little bit uh, more specific about this, we might uh, recognize very quickly that considerations of behavior um, in Vaishnava culture will put some emphasis on what we may want to call rank. Uh, rank meaning recognizing uh, superior, inferior, higher, higher and lower. And this may be of different sorts of consideration, whether socially ranking or spiritually ranking, uh, or there may be combinations of both. And sometimes this can get a little bit complicated, uh, judging rank. The concern for rank, uh, if we want just for a minute to uh, go to Krishna's pastimes, we may recall in Mahabharata that Lord Krishna was elected to be the recipient or the first recipient, I, I don't know if it says first or the only uh, recipient of the Argya at King Yudhishthir's Rajasuya sacrifice. And this had a lot of significance. It was a recognition that Krishna was uh, the number one person to be honored. And as we all know, Shishupal uh, didn't like that. He, um, he didn't think Krishna was the first person to be honored. He's, he thought this was very uh, improper because he's, he said there are so many more, much more senior persons here. Uh, there's Bhishmadev, for example. He's much older. Uh, he's obviously much more to be honored than Krishna. And besides, and then he goes on with all the various <laughs> insults to Krishna one after another until he comes to uh, 100 insults. And the end, the end, this brings, this ushers the end for him uh, and his liberation into the body of Krishna. So, um, the concern for rank is one, one concern. And at the same time, it's something which the Vaishnavas are, in a sense, always looking for the deeper substance of. And the example that just now comes to my mind here is uh, Sri Advaitacharya recognizing uh, Sri Haridas Thakur as the first person to receive 
the patra, the prasad, uh, from a shraddha ceremony which he has conducted, normally it would go to the Brahmins and other and so many Brahmins would have been there eager to get their prasad. Uh, but Advaita Charya recognized Srila uh, Haridas Thakur, uh, the Nama Acharya, as the first person to receive uh, this honor. <clears throat> Behind and above and underneath and around these considerations of rank are, of course, uh, the central importance of acknowledging the Lord's presence in all circumstances and in everyone's heart. And so we may say that uh, Vaishnava behavior or Satachar is that behavior which draws out or which is conducive uh, to everyone feeling the presence of the Lord, drawing out. The Lord is present in everyone's heart, but he's hidden. And the behavior of the Vaishnavas is such uh, that they are... Uh, at least trying uh, to draw out, yeah, in common language, we can say draw out the best of people. And what is the best? The best is, um, is their Krishna consciousness, whether or not they would call it that. There's also a nice general principle I found helpful um, which I learned from the late His Holiness Bhakti Charu Swami. He uh, was very keen in giving seminars on Vaishnava etiquette. And I always remember one point he would make is that Vaishnava etiquette is about maintaining a kind of circulation whereby we, the devotees, are eager to offer respect to the superior. So we're offering to the senior devotees, we're offering to guru, and so on. And of course, ultimately, we're offering respect to Krishna. So that's one side of what is, he described it as a kind of creation of like an electric current. We offer our respect up, and this inspires mercy to come down. We're offering respect up, mercy is coming down. Offering respect up, mercy is coming down. And this we can all understand in practical ways. Uh, we all have experience that just for example, in school, uh, if we have had a good relationship with a teacher, we're naturally showing some respect to that teacher and that's inspiring that teacher to naturally 
give us some, some special attention, some special care, uh, some, somehow inspiration comes to us from that teacher. So that's a kind of natural dynamic and that I would call it a circulation principle uh, is, I would say it is dry, it, it's very much driving and energizing the devotees in our uh, spiritual practice. And it becomes integral to what it is about uh, sadhu sangha association with devotees, which is giving us spiritual strength and giving us inspiration. Okay, now I want to suggest um, this is a possibly a little arbitrary, but it came to my mind we can think of three sorts of foundations of Vaishnava etiquette, of Sadachar. One foundation is austerity, one foundation is wisdom, and a third foundation is love. Uh, we may want to say tapa, jnana, or vigyana, and prema. And I would suggest a good place to start in thinking about austerity is a very nice little section in Bhagavad Gita, chapter 17, verses 14, uh, 15, and 16, in which Lord Krishna is listing features of three types of austerity in the mode of goodness. Uh, he speaks about many principles in terms of three modes of nature, and then he kind of pauses and elaborates on austerity in the mode of goodness by giving three verses instead of just one verse on the topic. And the three um, verses are in the mode of goodness, austerity are to do with austerities of the body, austerities of speech, and austerities of the mind. And so he says in verse number 14, Deva Dvija Guru Pragnya Pujanam Sochamarjavam Ramacharyam Ahimsam Ahimsa Cha Shariram Tapa Uchate. He's suggesting uh, here, he's emphasizing, I would say, the point of showing respect to superiors with the body. So doing puja, <laughs> offering worship to whom? To uh, the Lord, to, uh, to the Brahmins, to the Guru, to the wise persons, Pragna. In other words, anyone who is uh, uh, deserving of respect uh, because of 
some superiority, and then to show that respect, that in a broad sense, that is puja. It's not necessarily just waving incense and lamps before the person, um, but showing respect. Socham is an austerity. Uh, it, it can also be an austerity to not be clean. <laughs> um, devotees like to be clean. And when, when we are in situations where we can't, can't be clean, that can be another sort of austerity. Uh, but uh, to be clean is, we can say, a, a sort of preliminary um, feature of sadachar. And of course, in texts like Haribhakti Vilasa, there's so much discussion about purity, cleanliness, purity. So many details are there. You can spend, you know, half your day doing all these procedures for purification. Uh, but of course, we're we're looking for the basic principle, not so much necessarily the details. Arjavam is included as an austerity of the body in the mode of goodness, although it means straightforwardness, uh, which we associate with speech, it may also um, it may also apply to our behavior. We may uh, the opposite of arjavam is being devious, not being straightforward. So one can also act in ways which are not straightforward. Brahmacharyam, uh, of course, means it can mean celibacy. It can also mean very broadly, uh, I found it helpful to understand this way, respecting sexual boundaries in the broadest sense. Um, and of course, that's a big topic everybody likes to uh, talk about, but I won't elaborate here, but it certainly is a matter very much of Vaishnav etiquette. Uh, and it relates to socham because we understand where there is not proper um, behavior with respect to sexuality that uh, is associated with the compromise of socham, of purity. Ahimsa um, is uh, a kind of self-restraint which is at the beginning of uh, the classical yoga system of yama. Yama, Niyama, the first, the five principles of Yama. The first is Ahimsa. And the commentators say that actually Ahimsa is uh, fundamental to all the other principles of yoga. So if you want to practice yoga, step one is practice ahim Ahimsa. Um, and uh, this is a principle which the Jain tradition makes into their core uh, principle, elaborating in um, extreme detail, some of which um, would probably be useful for the Vaishnavas to learn from. 
Shariram tapa uchate, these are austerities. What kind of austerities of the body, but more specifically, austerities of the body in the mode of goodness? To become fixed or established or settled in the mode of goodness is a value which Vaishnavas pursue. Sometimes uh, we minimize, we say, oh, mode of goodness, who cares? We are transcendental. Uh, that can be a dangerous attitude um, because it can be an excuse for, uh, for very improper and amoral, immoral uh, behavior and non-ethical behavior. Um, austerity of speech in the mode of goodness, anudvega, maybe more quickly, but this is, in a sense, perhaps central uh, austerity, austerity of speech, anudvega karam vakyam satyam priyahitam chayat svadhyayabhyasanam cha eva vanmayam tapa uchate the austerities of speech vanmaya are listed here briefly and of course each one of them could be elaborated so much anudvega karam um, speaking in a way which is disturbing uh, unnecessarily disturbing uh, then the, the, on the other side, satyam, speaking the truth, and one immediately says, well, what if speaking the truth is disturbing? <laughs> That's the inevitable question. Uh, that is where the expertise has to come. Uh, sometimes one does have to speak in a disturbing way. And Srila Prabhupada in one lecture said, uh, our business is to disturb the demons. So uh, there may be appropriate times when we, uh, we need to cause disturbance. Priyahitam, uh, spe speaking pleasingly and beneficially, hita uh, has the sense of benefit. And we may want to say this is at the core of determining how what to say, what not to say, is to ask ourselves, is what I'm going to say going to be beneficial for the person or persons who will hear what I'm saying? Svadhyaya abhyasanam, uh, to practice abhyasanam svadhyaya, seems to be odd because uh, what does it have to do with speech if I'm doing self-study? Well, it's very much typically done aloud. One is reciting um, hymns or mantras from the Veda, and Sva uh, can refer to one's own Veda, Svadhyaya. Um, mm, and then going on to mana, uh, to austerities of the mind, we may want to say that sadachar really is rooted here because 
uh, depending on what is going on in our mind, that that will come out in our speech and our behavior. And therefore, it says, mana prasada, um, be uh, pleased in the mind, cultivate a, a sense of, uh, of, of being pleased, being peaceful, being satisfied in the mind. Mm. And then somyatvam uh, is a kind of, well, mild, mildness, it can mean, monam generally means silence, which may seem like, again, for speaking, uh, but uh, it can mean also stilling the mind. Atma vinigraha, atma can refer to the mind, and um, vinigraha, nigraha means grasping, nigraha means grasping down, vinigraha means thoroughly grasping down. In other words, really having control, being self-controlled. Atma can also just mean the self, self-control. And Baba Samshudhi, purification of existence, purification of one's very being, um, uh, is again a kind of foundational principle. Etat tapa manasamuchate. Okay, um, I should move along and then leave some time for discussion. <laughs> So we're talking about three types, three general principles. I'm suggesting uh, there's austerity. Then our next topic is wisdom. Uh, and here I would say the general principle of wisdom is listening for Krishna's direction. And Krishna gives us a clear indication of how to do this in Bhagavad Gita when he says, Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam priti purvakam vedami buddhi yogam tam yena mam upayanti te. He says, uh, for those who are constantly engaged, satata yukta, uh, in, in service, in worship, bhajatam, in a favorable way, priti purvakam. Having priti in front, purva means in front or uh, in the first position. Making, in other words, making as one's uh, primary purpose, purvaka, uh, to please the Lord. Krishna says, for such a person, dadami, I give. What do I give? Buddhi yogam, I give uh, the yoga of discernment, the yoga of uh, being awake, of being sensitized, of being intelligent. Uh, what is that buddhi yogam? It's that by which yena <clears throat> ma te upayanti, he comes. Uh, or he goes, where does he go? Mom to me. 
so that's um, buddhi yoga. It's it's a practice, abhyasa, and uh, the condition that Krishna gives for us to hear from Krishna is that we're always engaged in his service. So hearing from Krishna means then we are getting wisdom. Krishna is giving us insight how to act uh, in the best way in particular circumstances. Um, in Aristotle's, in the ancient uh, Western philosopher, Aristotle's Greek, uh, in his book on ethics, uh, what is it called, Nicomanian ethics or something, I believe it's there, he says, no amount of rules, of, of mor moral directions or rules or laws will give us clear knowledge, uh, will give us a definite awareness of what we should do in a particular situation, because that particular situation that comes is going to be unique. It's not something that uh, can be anticipated by any number of rules and laws. Which means, uh, for devotee, it means being tuned in, if you like, <laughs> to Krishna. Uh, Krishna's, uh, Krishna's tips, Krishna's whispering, saying, Krishna, what should I do here? Do like this. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, this is, this, there's a process for this uh, that's given in the Upanishads. Uh, it begins with Shravanam, and uh, it goes to the next step, which is Mananam, hearing and then reflecting on, thinking about, uh, using one's mind, one's intelligence, thinking about how what one's heard relates to what else one has heard or one has experienced and so on. And then the third and final of these three steps is nididhyasanam, nididhyasanam, uh, which is, I would say, something like uh, digestion. You take it in and then the body has to digest. Or we can say if we're using the eating metaphor, we're taking it into the mouth, we're chewing, and then swallowing, and then uh, we are uh, digesting. And then the digested uh, nourishment gives us energy, and that energy allows us to act in the proper way. A third point that I would just throw in the mix here with regard to wisdom is uh, taking responsibility for our choices. We recognize uh, that we are choice makers. That's kind of foundational to the whole idea of ethics. And it's foundational to the whole 
message of Bhagavad Gita uh, because Krishna is advising Arjuna and then in the end he's asking Arjuna or he's uh, allowing Arjuna to make his choice. He does not uh, make Arjuna's choice for him. So we make choices, we make them all the time, all day long, uh, we're making choices. And then choices always have consequences. And it's then for us to accept the consequences, to take, to take responsibility for them. Uh, if we've made a choice which uh, has not been good, uh, for us or for others, uh, we recognize it. We hope that we can learn from it and make a better choice next time. Mm. We don't lament, uh, we simply learn and move on. And then the third principle of these three is love or prema, or we may want to say more, more broadly, bhakti. Um, and here I would set, suggest a general principle is, well, it goes back to listening, but now we're listening for Krishna's love through his devotees. We're finding Krishna's love manifest in his devotees. Krishna himself in the Bhagavad Gita also expresses his compassion when he says, Tesham evanu kampartam, ahama jnana jam tama, nashayam yatma, bhavasto jnana dipena, vasvata. But that sort of points back to jnana. He's giving the light of knowledge. But he's giving it because of uh, anukampa. Uh, artha, because of the, mm, in the interest artha of anukampa, of compassion, uh, which is his, his feeling for the devotee. And so the devotee uh, takes that as the Lord's compassion, as the Lord's love, any illumination uh, received from the Lord is, is, um, Grateful or gratefully received. Um, other examples we might expand on, but I'll just mention because uh, I was hearing some very nice talks uh, by Madhavananda Prabhu on um, exchange, well, part of a longer series, but he's talking about the exchange of Nanda Maharaj with Akrura. When Akrura comes to Vrindavan, he meets, of course, the residents, he meets Nanda Maharaj, and he's, he tells Nanda about all the troubles that are going on in Mathura uh, because of uh, this terrible so-called king, Kamsa. And Nanda Maharaj listens empathetically. He's... He's not saying something like, well, you think you have troubles. We have our own troubles here in Braj. We get all these demons coming all the time uh, and there's no peace. He doesn't say that. He listens 
he listens to Akrura uh, and he sympathizes with him. And also we may look at Krishna and his interaction with his devotees in so many ways, but uh, perhaps uh, in particular what came to my mind is his statement to the gopis of confession, napharayeham niravadyasam yujam, that he, he, he says, I am not, I do not have the capacity to reciprocate your love. Now this could be taken as an example of arjavam, of straightforwardness and honesty, but it's also um, uh, Priyahitam, it's also speaking uh, for the benefit and uh, in fact to please uh, the, the gopis, although it may sound like a, something uh, that's ultimately a disappointment, but um, he, he speaks uh, in such charming ways with the gopis, in loving way, and this we can think of as a kind of uh, model, as an example of how we want to interact um, among the devotees. I mentioned before about rank, thinking in terms of, you know, superiority, respect, and so on. Uh, but we must be very conscious also uh, to be. Uh, caring and concerned uh, with respect to equals and those in a so-called lesser position um, because all of all of these any number of variations of these different relationships will always be there um, we will always be in relation to others who are uh, in a inferior position, an equal position, a superior position, uh, and we want to act in the best way <laughs> uh, with respect to all of them. Okay, I have then also a few words of, let us say, conclusion, maybe not utterly conclusive, but some things to consider. We may want to keep in mind that Srila Prabhupada sometimes would say that, or many times would say, Christian consciousness is a science. Uh, it's also an art. And we may wonder how these two are related. Well, uh, it is a science, especially with respect to the principles. And it's an art with respect to details. And we can say the, the principles, we want to preserve principles. We don't want to lose sight of principles. We want to nourish our sense of what are our principles, our values. And uh, we want to be... Um, responsive to particular circumstances. As I said uh, just a few minutes before this, uh, like Aristotle was saying, every situation will be 
unique. And that means being able to adjust appropriately and wisely uh, the details of Krishna consciousness. And in all cases, we certainly want to recognize that intelligence or discernment or, yeah, buddhi yoga uh, is necessary. And how do we get this? Well, I always go back to Narutam Das Thakur, Sadhu Shastra Guru Vakya, Pridoye Koryo Aikya, Satatam Basibo Prema Maje. Uh, we hear from sadhus, from guru, from gurus, and from shastra. And all of what we hear, we process through shravanam, mananam, nididhyasanam. And by that process, uh, it becomes an aikya, becomes a singular understanding, a clear understanding in the heart by which then Krishna uh, feels pleased to uh, be, be manifest in the heart, to uh, be present or for us to feel his presence in the heart. Um, and what's the goal for ourselves? Satatam vasibo prema maje, to become immersed always uh, to swim in prema, in Krishna prema. And that will happen uh, when, we, uh, when we practice to sensitize ourselves uh, to the words and to develop the faith in the words of Sadhu Shastra and Guru, Sadhu Shastra Guru Vakya. So uh, this brings us back to our opening statement of Srila Prabhupada, uh, one should become a perfect gentleman and learn to give proper respect to others. <laughs> I think that's a, a good pivotal uh, principle. And to learn better some of the finer, many of the finer points of uh, Sat Achar, I strongly recommend reading Chaitanya Charitamrita. I believe this is one of the hmm, aims that Krishnadas Kaviraj had in writing Chaitanya Charitamrita. He wanted to show these details. This is how Vaishnavas interact with other Vaishnavas. This is how Vaishnavas show respect for other Vaishnavas, how they honor and serve each other. And of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, coming himself in the mood of a Vaishnava, a Bhakta, a devotee is uh, the model of that behavior. So uh, these are a few thoughts. And I hope I kept to the subject. Hope I didn't wander. Uh, but I will, I think, end there and see if anyone wants to raise an issue, a question, a comment. Or did I leave you all confused? 
so you don't even know where to begin to ask a question. <laughs> we would like to ask you if you could comment something about offenses towards Vaishnavas. We personally received a really heavy lessons after offending or um, acting not according to the etiquette. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe you, you could warn us a little bit then. <laughs> warning. Yeah, we have a big sign. Warning. <clears throat> Vaishnav etiquette uh, means do not offend the Vaishnavas. Um, and of course, the main uh, danger, the, generally the danger uh, of Vaishnava Aparada happens in this area of speech, right? Uh, and how does it happen? Well, uh, words have a way of, well, let's put it this way, uh, as as Srila Prabhupada so many times explained, one thing that we all have in common with animals is actually four things, um, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And defending, how do we defend ourselves? One way we defend ourselves is with words. Or we try to defend ourselves with words. Or we think we're defending ourselves with words. And sometimes we uh, are not only Sometimes we may not just be defending ourselves, but attacking another with words, wanting to harm another with words. And the problem with words is you can't really take them back. <laughs> we all have experience, isn't it? We've said something to someone and then we say, oh no, why did I say that? Or, especially nowadays, we're all sort of living on the internet. <laughs> we may write something on, on the internet and then, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have written that or whatever. For that, I have, I have one uh, sort of, you say in German, Daumregel. Uh, a rule of thumb down regal. If somebody writes you something that upsets you uh, on the internet, whether it's an email or, you know, a Facebook message or something, if you're upset, whatever you do, don't reply immediately. I recommend waiting 24 hours. Uh, you'd be amazed at how much wisdom will come to you if you do that uh, within those 24 hours. <laughs> Whereas if you react immediately, you know, 
with a counter attack or whatever. Um, very good chance you will regret. Isn't it so? Yep. <laughs> I see some nodding heads. Yes. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's something I'm also working on this. It's not like I've worked it all out. Uh, I'm preaching to myself. Um, and mm, in the Catholic tradition, they, they make a distinction. There are sins of commission and sins of omission. There are things that you actively do, which are a sin, which are bad, which are um, anartha. And there are things you don't do, and that's also wrong. So to not do something may also be wrong. To not say something may be wrong. Um, and to not say something may be an operad. It may we may offend someone by not saying something. So it's it's uh, it's a challenge. And we have the story. Some of you may remember it better than I do, the details, but uh, how was it? Srila Rupa Goswami was meditating on Krishna's pastimes. In his deep meditation, he uh, observed some exchange uh, of Krishna uh, with, with the gopis, which was humorous. And in his meditation, Rupa Goswami was laughing, but he was laughing aloud. And as he was laughing aloud, one devotee, and I don't remember the name or if the name is known, happened to be walking by and was happened to think or uh, came to think that Rupa Goswami is laughing at him. So neither did Rupa Goswami have any intention he didn't even have intention. He had no consciousness. Still, that devotee felt offended. And his having felt offended disturbed Rupa Goswami's bhajan. He found that uh, for some time something is wrong. He couldn't understand what it was. And he finally found out that this devotee had misunderstood uh, his internal ecstasy. <laughs> so, so sometimes we might offend someone we don't even intend. We don't intend it. Uh, and therefore devotees are always very anxious to, um, to beg for the blessings of the devotees and, and to say, in case I have made any offense, <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> We're always trying to cover ourselves in case I have made any, in case I have said something wrong, uh, done something wrong. 
in case I didn't do something that I should have done. <laughs> thanks a lot, Maharaj. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, thanks a lot for such an enlightening answer. Because most of us, we are always uh, very fearful about this uh, uh, of uh, of uh, if we do some offensive behavior with the with the Vaishnavas, and uh, this was quite enlightening. Uh, there is one more question from Harinam Chintamani Mataji from Leipzig, mm -hmm. and she is asking that uh, could you please elaborate on cultivation of peaceful and a satisfied mind, especially especially in the uns uh, unsettled times. So these very disturbing times, how can we keep our mind uh, peaceful and satisfied? <clears throat> yes, <laughs> we all have this challenge. The mind is always hungry for something, 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 something more, something different, something changing. Uh, the, the mind is restless. And of course, uh, in Bhagavad Gita, <clears throat> in chapter six, when Krishna is, shall we say, preaching to Arjuna to control his mind, at one point in chapter six, Arjuna says, you're, you're this is hopeless. You're telling me to do something. It's like trying to control the wind. And then Krishna says, you're right. <laughs> uh, what is it? Mahabaho Mano Dur Nigraham Chalam. He says the mind is Dur Nigraha. Uh, we said uh uh, one of the principles is of the austerities of mind is uh, atma vinigraha. So he says the mind is dur nigraha. It's difficult. And it's chalam, it's flickering, it's constantly uh, jumping. It's, it's on one thing and it's jumping to something else. Um, I think it's um, Srila Ramanujacharya who describes what is successful meditation. Um, <laughs> am I supposed to do something here? It says Mrinakshi Devi Dasi enter. Oh, that's taken care of. Okay. Um, he says we the 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 meditate the meditative mind is compared to uh, the steady stream of of oil. Um, now our minds are more like water; it's sort of splashing and here and going there. But the steady stream of, of pouring oil, that's what we're looking for. That's what we're aiming for in, in meditation. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, it's the how question. How can we? Well, <laughs> it's our whole process, isn't it? In one sense, because Krishna is saying also in that chapter, Gita chapter 6, from whatever and wherever the mind wanders, due to its flickering and unsteady nature, bring it back un un under the control of the self. So then the question is how to do that. And what seems to me, what I find helpful is uh, to, to learn to gently but firmly ask oneself the question, my dear mind, where are you going now? And it's not a judgmental question. Maybe the mind needs to go to, some, to something. Uh, maybe it's important to deal with. Okay. Uh, but maybe it's not necessary to go there now. Uh, so then by asking the question, where are you going now? Um, it, it calls for an answer. <laughs> It's a gentle challenge to the mind. And the challenge is coming from beyond the mind. It's coming from the intelligence. If you try to control the mind with the mind, you may find it difficult uh, because the mind is uh, tied more or less to the senses. It's tied to the memory also. And of course, it's very much um, identifying with emotions. So then to simply ask where, okay, my dear mind, where is that you're going now? <laughs> Maybe you can just come back and focus on Krishna for now. And we can deal with that later if there's something we need to deal with. And in that way, we can cultivate a kind of um, steady, gradual practice of uh, returning. Ultimately, what we're coming back to, because Krishna says, under the control of the self, uh, can mean, um, atma can mean paramatma, under the control of the self. Um, the example is given in the Bhagavatam 11th canto of training horse. Horse trainers know that you have to be gentle and firm uh, with a horse that you're training. If you're too firm, uh, the horse is going to throw you off. Um, you have to be gentle. And then gradually, gradually, with a high sensitivity, a good horse trainer is highly sensitive to um, how the horse is behaving and can sort of can understand how the horse is thinking. 
so we have uh, we have a wild horse, the mind. And yeah, we can ask when the mind goes somewhere, which uh, aren't, we kind of, I mean, many things we may think of the mind, we see the mind's going there, we can say, uh, what is your purpose there? <laughs> Hare Krishna Maharaj, we have got a couple of questions and depending on the time we can we can take them. Yes. So, yeah. The first question is uh, from uh, Yulia Mataji from Leipzig and she yes. is asking that in Srimad Bhagavatam first canto it is mentioned that in order to become dhira uh, or uh, get to the platform of dhira one has to get blessings from Vidura. Uh, so how to get his blessings? Ah, Vidura's blessings. That's in first canto? Uh-huh. So she, she mentioned this, yeah. <laughs> I see Yulia's nodding. Okay. <clears throat> um, well, we can pray to Vidura to give his blessings. And we can see in what spirit we can try to uh, appreciate the spirit of Vidura. Um, Vidura, you know, was in a very troubled situation. The, the family situation was not peaceful. Mm. Uh, his advice was not appreciated. He was doing his best to give good advice to Dhritarashtra, Duryodhana, they were not accepting it. They just became angry. And so he understood, um, okay, he accepted, maybe that's the blessing we're looking for, accepting uh, circumstances the reality of a circumstance. In other words, Vidura was a realist. He recognized, okay, this is the situation. I'm, it's, it's beyond my sphere of influence. We hear that expression a lot nowadays. It's beyond my sphere of influence. And this comes back also to this question about um, uh, finding peace in, in our minds, especially in current circumstances. Um, what's disturbing us, you know, we're all reading the news and we're seeing how much suffering is going on all over the world. And uh, there's, what is that expression? You, you, can, you can become uh, dull after some time. Your feelings of compassion uh, become, you, you develop a kind of thick skin, you know. You read that um, more than two, two million people have died of COVID, and you kind of shrug your shoulders, yeah, well, um, what can I, what can I say? But um, it's simply a fact that we need to recognize what is our sphere of influence? What can we 
what can we actually do? Now, some people, they get very excited that, well, I'm expanding my sphere of influence, and that's why I spend all day on the internet sending messages uh, to the world. Um, <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, is, is that actually, is that, is that, and for what purpose? And anyway, that's another subject. <laughs> But the point is, Vidura recognized the limits of his sphere of influence and he decided, okay, I'm out of here. And he left home. And elsewhere it said that he left home for 30 years. He, he went on pilgrimage, he wandered. And of course, in the third canto, he's meeting uh, Uddhava and Maitreya, and he's learning from Maitreya especially. Uh, but he was absent during the whole, everything that was going on, uh, the whole war of Kurukshetra. He missed the whole thing. So we may also seek blessings from Vidura to be um, aloof from all of the you know, the politics of this world. The, the winds that come and go and shift and come and go and blow everyone in one direction and another direction. Hidura said, okay. And how did, it's described, he took his staff <laughs> and he left. It doesn't even say he packed his bag. <laughs> Just picked up his staff and he left. <laughs> that doesn't mean that we should avoid responsibility, though. If we have response within our sphere of influence, we have our um, responsibilities. So not that we too quickly give up uh, responsibilities that we actually uh, should be taken care of. Yeah, thank you, Maharaj. We, uh, we have only one minute. Uh, if we can take one more question, please. A one minute question and answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Maharaj. We are, we are uh, very open to, you know, hear from you. Uh, depending on your time and everything, you can let us know. We are very well, happy when a Vaishnava speaks. We always want to hear more and more and more. Well, let's take uh, let's take one more question. I don't like to go much longer um, okay. because we all have our things to do. Okay, so there is one. Uh, so Bhakta Anirudh from Cologne, uh, he's asking that how to behave with arrogant people, non-devotees who are impacting your bhakti. Also, when these, uh, these non-devotees are from your own family, so uh, you cannot really ignore them. Ah, that can be quite a challenge. <clears throat> um, I suppose that's also a, 
potential subject for a longer discussion. Um, but just briefly, what comes to my mind is Srila Prabhupada's sister, Pishima, as she was known. Uh, Pishima means, does it mean auntie or sister? I don't know. Auntie, I guess. Prabhupada told once that her husband, Pishima's husband, Bhagavati was her, her name, um, was, her husband was not a devotee, was not sympathetic uh, at all with Krishna consciousness. And in fact, he was, I think he was eating like a typical Bengali. He was uh, eating fish and and Prabhupada said that uh, Pishima would cook it for him. She took it as her duty as a, as a wife. She just quietly accepted, okay, um, he's expecting this of me. What can I do? Okay. And he, she just, uh, in that way, uh, did her saw herself as okay this is this is my dharma my social dharma uh, and so she tolerated in that way so on one side um, there's the very broad and important principle of tolerance and with that tolerance i would say for yourself there needs to be a sense of trying to appreciate that this situation has been uh, arranged for me by Krishna. There is some purpose in this. I may not understand the purpose, but there is a purpose and if I am patient and tolerant, then in due course of time, I may get a glimmer of understanding of why Krishna has put me in this situation. Um, now, impacting your bhakti uh, can mean Part of the reason for it is that Krishna wants to strengthen your bhakti and therefore he's um, having you in that situation where others in the family are not sympathetic, maybe they're critical. Um, and, and you're only choice is to strengthen your bhakti as a result, to take the challenge as a challenge ultimately from Krishna and to go more deeply into your depending on Krishna for strength. And there are a lot of stories of devotees who begin their journey in Krishna consciousness with inimical relatives, 
And eventually, and sometimes it can be in a fairly short time, sometimes it takes years, but uh, the relatives have a change of heart. They come to recognize, they come to respect, they come to appreciate, sometimes they even become devotees themselves. And what that points to is that no matter how nasty they are, you keep your position as their well-wisher. Recognizing that their behavior, their words are based in ignorance. And ignorance means it's just ignorance. And ignorance can be removed. So those are uh, a few thoughts. A lot of patience may be needed, but that's uh, one of our basic principles. Utsaha nischayat dhairyat. Dhairya uh, is, is like that, patience. And if it weren't your family members, and if it weren't some others that are giving you trouble, the trouble would come from somewhere else. Who knows? All right. So take it that way. Okay, Krishna's giving me this trouble like this. Let me make the most, do the best I can with it. Make the best use of a bad bargain. Thanks, Lord Maharaj, for such a nice, enlightening words. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, so, thank you for giving the opportunity and all the best for your theme. I'm sure others will elaborate in wonderful ways. I hope, I hope this was good uh, as a general introduction. Yes, Maharaj, definitely. So it was quite enlightening. So basically in our temple, gradually we are discussing this Vaishnava etiquette manual and uh, every week we are going forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, mostly in the temple, we are going to discuss uh, uh, how or what we need to do as a Vaishnavas. But maybe mm -hmm. from your lecture, uh, we came to know that why we need to do this. And what is the uh, principle behind it? Yeah. So what we today heard is like austerity, wisdom, and prema. So these are yeah. the main important things. Mm. And basically how to become better person in front of our superiors. So it could mm. be superior Vaishnavas in front of Lord Krishna and so on. And that is why this behavior is very, very important. So on well, the it's of, also it's also yeah. respecting not just Vaishnavas, it's respecting everyone. Everything. When Prabhupada says, become, be a perfect gentleman, he's talking about being um, properly behaving in, in all contexts. Mm. True, true. Okay, Maharaj, but thanks a lot right. for your time. <laughs> yeah. On behalf of uh, ISKCON Leipzig and on behalf of all the devotees who have joined uh, this Zoom meeting, uh, I wholeheartedly thank you for your time and for your guidance. And we look forward to have you more times uh, in such Zoom meetings. 
at some point of time physically in Leipzig. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, thank you so much. Leipzig Yatra Ki Jai. Thanks, Lord Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Anantya Vaishnavarinda ki jai, Gaura Premanande Hari 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 H